For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found Modern Mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. everyone and welcome back to another episode of the podcast lead singer syndrome that's what it's called it's been called that for almost five years can you believe it we're coming up on the five-year mark it's exciting stuff today we have an awesome episode part two of a two-part special with the co-frontmen of less than jake Today we have Chris DeMakes, I guess kind of the more main singer of the band. And this dude, you know, he's not just Chris from Less Than Jake anymore. He's doing a bunch of stuff outside the band, which is really great to see, including an awesome new podcast. If you like this podcast, you'll love his, I'm sure, especially if you're a musician yourself, if you're interested in songwriting, check it out. It's called Chris DeMakes, a podcast. He's had some mega guests on, including Mark Hoppus. That's really, really cool. So yeah, it, it's a, it's awesome that he's doing that. And I just recorded an episode with him yesterday where I talk about the Silverstein song, My Heroine, which has a pretty interesting story and a lot of stuff I've actually, you know, never got to spend a whole bunch of time talking about. And, you know, I've mentioned it so many times on the show why I love the podcast format, especially when it comes to talking to musicians, because the classic 20-minute interview or magazine article of a couple pages, you just don't get enough out of it you know, to just really learn anything new about the artist. So that's why I I absolutely love this format, why I think this show 
brings something to the table and definitely why Chris's show also brings something as well. So yes, make sure you check that out. And we got a great episode. Before we get into it though, a couple of things, a couple new things. So I have started a Twitch channel and I remember back in the day, I had Matt from Trivium on the show and I actually, you know, he discussed that he was going on Twitch and that this was something that he was doing and I didn't know much about it at the time. Man, that was like three years ago, I want to say. And obviously he's on there killing it. Um, Yeah, shout out to Matt from Trivium. What a dude. What a hardworking dude, by the way, man. Go back and listen to some of those episodes too from that around the 100 episode mark. I think, I think Matt... Matt Hafey was uh, was number 99, if my memory serves. But regardless, I'm on Twitch. Get on there. Follow me. It's twitch.tv slash Shane Told. And I'm doing a lot of, you know, stuff, just music, you know, playing some tunes and stuff, of course. But I'm bringing the podcast to life over there. And this Friday, I will be having Brandon of Atreyu and they've been through a lot recently. He'll be on the po- he'll be on the Twitch um, on Friday, three p.m. Eastern time. If you you know can't make it, that's all right. It'll still be on the podcast feed. You know, all edited up and all pretty and all crisp. But we will be on there talking live as well. If you you know if you're free at that time. And, you know, it's just something something different. Um, adding a video aspect to the podcast maybe is kind of cool, something that I've wanted to do for a while but is a lot of work. So, yeah, so that's a, a kind of a big thing. Also, um, this is the new shit. That will also be broadcast live. Me and Mike, Mike Howell, the best, we jumped on yesterday. Mike dressed up as a pickle, which I really appreciated because I love pickles and it's Halloween. And we talked about the top five albums of the week, as we do, and it went awesome. So yes, subscribe. So yes, follow me on Twitch. Subscribe if you can. Again, the link for that is twitch.tv slash Shane Told. And if you really want to help with the show, definitely check out the All Access Club. I'm starting to add some extra Twitch elements into there as well, you know, some stuff early on, some video stuff on there that didn't exist before, in addition to bonus episodes and merchandise and and an amazing community. Shout out to all my sinners. So again, uh, check that out too if you want to help out. It really does go a long way. It's leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. Yeah, busy, right? Lots of stuff. I didn't even get to my email address yet. You can email me too. Leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. Come. The Dodgers won the World Series, huh? You see that? Anyone see that coming? Yeah, I kind of saw that coming. I think everybody saw that coming, but congratulations. I remember 1988. I was was like my first foray into baseball. You know, my dad was a massive is a massive baseball fan and I remember watching Kirk Gibson you know, win that World Series or whatever happened. Now it's all a weird foggy memory, but congratulations to the Dodgers. Um, that's, that's cool. They finally did it. They finally did it. Enough baseball talk. We don't talk about any sports in this podcast. This is all music and 
super interesting stories, and this was a great episode. So have a listen to my conversation with Krista Makes of Less Than Jake. Hear me, I confess, most days I'm a mess. I still act like I'm with it, but I'm all out of one more shot to give. They don't know about me or what's inside my head, but in the end it's me alone, staring at my phone. How did it get so bad? It doesn't sound crazy that I'd ask. I really want to know. Hello. Hey, Chris. What's up, man? It's Shane. Hey, Shane. How you doing? Good. good. Sorry I'm a few minutes late. I was, I guess we talked about doing this like three years ago. And I, st- <laughs> I think it was, I think it was longer than that. But maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And I had, I still had your old number in my ah. phone. So I'm calling this guy, uh, texting him like, hey, ready to go when you are, man. And it was some <laughs> random person with your old phone number. So I'm sorry to that person. No problem. That person hates me, by the way. (laughs) I've got a couple of those. I'm here with Chris from Less Than Jake. We were talking about doing this like three or four years ago. We're finally doing it. So much to talk about. I I like sometimes feel like it's worth the wait. You know what I mean? Well, I I appreciate that. You know, I, I... I have an, a memory like an elephant, and I'm, I don't know why, and it does me no good ever. But uh, I, I want to say, and how long? How long have you been doing lead singer syndrome? I'm coming up on five years. In fact, I'm like almost at my five year anniversary. It's kind of nuts. Okay, then then maybe it was the 26. Were you on the 2016 Warp tour? No, I wasn't. No. I came. What happened actually? And I apologize because I bailed on you. I came out to two Warp tour dates. Uh, in, yeah, like I, I want to say one was San Diego and then the next day was like going to be in LA or, or something like that. Pomona or something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I came out, you know, just kind of to, to hang out anyway, you know, do a couple podcasts. So I, I had like the plan to do like three dudes on, you know, the first day and then three more people on, you know, the second day and you were on the second day. And after honestly, dude, no matter how many times I've played warp tour, you know, you do this, the tour and it's long and it's hard and like, you know, it's really, really aggressive. It's not the same as going to it, you know, like oh, yeah. when you don't have a bus or a place to go. And dude, after one day of podcasts and watching a couple bands, I, I couldn't go. I couldn't do it. I had to bail on the second day. I was like one one day a warp tour as a punter, you know, is enough for me. Yeah, I think that was it. So that was 2016. That's when that was. Yeah, exactly. so it's been. Yep. It's been some years, but hey, uh, we're we're more mature and more uh, you know we're 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 better to talk now. So <laughs> I guess so. No, so much to talk about. Let's start with the big announcement this week: a new Less Than Jake album, Silver Linings, which is com- coming out on December 11th, and that's exciting. It's your first album in a while. Yeah, you know we uh, we've just been. It's funny we we were one of those bands that never stopped touring. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we just until now. Yeah, you know, we we kept uh, we kept grinding and grinding, and uh, we you know we're still touring like we were in our early twenties, and uh, not to make excuses, but we just uh, one thing led to another, and it was just like, wow, we haven't recorded new music in a while. Twenty seventeen was our last uh, EP that we put out, and so yeah, it was just it was just time, and uh, we started writing songs at the top of uh, twenty nineteen. 
And uh, the end of the year last year, we recorded the record. And then, of course, uh, this year had other plans. And we had uh, about three or four uh, different release dates that we had. Uh, and finally, we're just like, we want this thing to come out this year. And so December 11th it is. Wow. So you've been sitting on this thing for a while then, you know? I mean, Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing is so many records were, you know, slated to come out whenever, you know, starting from March on. And I think a lot of labels and bands and no one really knew what to do, right? I mean, this has never happened before. Yeah, and in fact, I, I actually think uh, it's a great time to release a record right now because people, you know, and not, not speaking for everybody, I know a lot of people financially are having a really hard time, yeah. but a lot of folks aren't out pissing their money away at the bar, concerts, sporting events, uh, those things aren't uh, around right now. Uh, so there is a little disposable income for some folks. And, uh, you know, they, they want entertainment and buying a record uh, is, is a form of entertainment. So I, I think that uh, it's not a bad time to release a record. No, people can piss their money away over at the Pure Noise web store on some, <laughs> on some new Less Than Jake vinyl. Uh, well, you know, I've had a, a number of people say, you know, they, they, they've ran out of Netflix uh, and stuff to watch. You know, they're... Uh, been, been quarantined and bored so uh, this right. is this gives them gives them something to do some new music right no it's because you know for the the casual you know person wandering around the internet i guess and they oh there's a new less than jake record it's coming out in december well you figure this would have been like a quarantine written and released record but you know silver li and silver lining seems to have those connotations but it seems like all that stuff was pre-pandemic you know, and I guess that's why you've had so much time to do some other things like the podcast and, and writing songs for people, et cetera. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's funny. The last year when I got home from uh, recording the record, we recorded it uh, in November. And then we, we all came home for about two weeks, wanted to kind of sit on the roughs, uh, rough mixes for a second. Not, not rough mixes, but the uh, sit on everything that we had recorded. Yeah. And then we went went back down to Gainesville middle of December for two days, did some more backing vocals, a couple of guitar overdubs. So, but during that time I had uh, come home and, um, it, you know, I, I hate the term, uh, midlife crisis. It wasn't what this was, but, uh, certainly I'm, I'm, I'm middle-aged now and, uh, you know, some priorities in my life have changed. I have some small children and, and I was kind of thinking like, what else is there? Uh, you know, who, who am I outside of being Chris from less than Jake, you know? Right. Cause, uh, that's who I've always been. And on our records, we were too punk for school back in the day. I never branded myself as Chris DeMakes, uh, which in hindsight was probably a mistake. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, uh, I've had a great career. The band still gives me uh, a creative outlet that, that, that will always be there, uh, hopefully. And uh, But I came home and I just started diving into things. I had a, a, a friend that had asked me to write a song for her father. Uh, I did. And, uh, you know, she paid me handsomely for it. I didn't even ask, you know, for money. And uh, long story short, the, the light bulb went off and I started writing custom songs and jingles and doing voiceovers for people. And uh, it's gone through the roof. Um, uh, and aside from that, I also I started thinking, well, uh, then, the you know, the pandemic hit in March. I was like, well, what else could I do? And you know, I've always I've always wanted to produce, but I hate babysitting. I hate getting in a room with a band and, you know, being like, okay, what do you guys got? And you're working from the ground up. So I started thinking, you know, I'd love to come in the 11th hour with bands. Uh, I want them to take their song as far as they can. And yeah. then I'll come, I'll come in and uh, 
take the song from there and, 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 and produce it and, and try to tighten everything up. So I've been doing one-on-one live Zoom uh, video sessions. Uh, I've been producing songs, collaborating, writing songs with people on Zoom, um, uh, answering questions about the music business. I've had full bands sit in with me and they're just rifling questions at me and I'm just telling them everything that, uh, right. that I know. So between those two things and, and the podcast, uh, I've been uh, busier than, than I've, I've ever been. Crazy. Well, this is going to make my job very easy because so much to talk about, you know, and I, I don't even know where to start, but I guess let's start with the new record because we already kind of touched on it. Did sure. you Did you make the record with Bill Stevenson? No. Okay, so, okay. Because uh, there's a song about Bill Stevenson on the record and, I, and in yeah. the press release, it didn't say who produced the record. So I just was wondering that really quick. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Roger, our bass player, uh, we recorded it at the Moat House, the studio in Gainesville. And Roger, uh, Roger, uh, produced, uh, you know, along with the band. Um, but he's, you know, the, the main producer. Yeah. Um, but it was pretty, pretty much so the record was self-produced uh, with Roger. And then we had the blasting room mix the record. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So Jason, uh, and or Bill or whoever over there, right? The, yeah. The Jason, Jason, the team, yeah, Jason Livermore uh, mixed it, and awesome. of course, Bill Bill uh, o- oversaw the project. Well, it sounds great. It's your best record in at least seven years. So uh... yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really, nice... I really do record. I uh, like the record. Becky sent it over to me, and you know, the the I guess the biggest change from a personnel standpoint, and I don't know how much you you want to you know harp on this, but obviously, your longtime drummer Vinny no longer with you guys, and. You know, I remember, you know, back in the day hearing about your band and and someone telling me, oh, the drummer writes all the songs. I was like, oh, that's weird. And then I later found out, well, he writes, you know, a lot of the lyrics and, you know, to kind of and I I assume that that was true. Uh, That's what I've heard before, you know, and to come in now, this is your ninth album. You know, you've done a lot of things. There's the old, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks kind of thing. But really what stuck out with me right away listening through the record even just once was how the lyrics are less than Jake. They, they, they have the same sort of uh, vibe to them. You know, like even a song like Bill, that, that lyrically, that sounds like it could have been on Losing Streak. Lyrically. Yeah, and yeah. I found that that was really interesting that you, you kind of just tended to gravitate to, you know, all those songs you sang over the years lyrically, but maybe you didn't write. Yeah, well, a, a, a couple things with that. Yeah, so you know, there's a misconception among people that aren't musicians that that, that they don't know what a, the actual term songwriter means. You right. know, with all and with, with all due respect to Vinny, yeah, he wrote ninety ninety percent of our ninety five percent of our lyrics, uh, lyrical ideas in the past. And uh, but Roger and I have always written the music and the melodies. Uh, yep. So um, so so that aspect of it hasn't changed. But lyrically, you know, we were in the same band with Vinny for 26 years. So as far as the lyrics having continuity with that, uh, you know, we we're we, we're still writing from our perspectives now, but it's still holding on uh, to, to, to what the band is. And certainly Roger and I wrote lyrics over the years. We'd take a lot of times Vinny's stuff was just like, a page just of phrases that right. we would build a, build a song around. Other times it'd be full lyrics that he had written. So, um, and to answer the second part of your question, it was, and I've been asked this quite a bit, it was never weird for me. You know, I met Vinny when I was uh, 15 years old. So, and he's a little bit older than me. So he was like my, my older punk friend. And we right. had a band to get, we had a band together in, in high school where I was in high school. And, um, 
it, we came from a really small town. There was no one really to sing. So he's like, Hey, you know, I was uh, known as one of the singers in town. So I got this gig and uh, we had a band and, and him and I would just sit around after practice. And we started writing these other songs that uh, when I went off to college ended up being less than Jake. So I, I was always um, given sheets of paper and lyrics from him at, since I was 15 years old. Wow. So yeah. Yeah. So for me to, to sing somebody else's lyrics and I've had people say, well, how do you get into uh, the emotion of the lyrics and how, how does it, uh, uh, how do you sell it, sell it, so to speak? How do yep. you sell that sure. lyric that, because you didn't write it? It's like, well, that's all that I've ever known, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So it, it wasn't ever weird to me or forced. In fact, I could sing anybody's lyrics. Uh, and, and if I like what I'm reading, uh, I'm going to feel it and I'm going to be able to give it that emotion and be able to sell it, I feel. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. That's like someone saying, oh, you read that book. Well, how do you feel a connection to that book? You didn't write it. It's like, well, yeah. no, I know I didn't write it. I can still feel something when I when I consume, you know, uh, art um, that does say, though, like since you're 15, you've kind of had this. I don't want to call it a formula because that sounds very non-artistic, but you've done things with the sort of same procedural way. And now, all of a sudden, at however old you are, you must be getting close to 50. Am I wrong? Oh, you're getting close. Yeah, no, I just turned 47. <laughs> 47. You know, you're, yeah. you're at you're at the kind of time in your life where it's like, okay, now I've got to do this myself. Or obviously, with the help of, of uh, you know, Roger, I, I assume probably helped you out a lot too. But was there a lot of stress or fear going into this kind of for the first time? Or did it come pretty naturally? No, you know, I got to be honest with you. And I don't say this self-deprecating to the band. There was absolutely zero fear because, you know, Shane, we're, we're, we're a legacy band. Um, if, if we never made a record after uh, Anthem, uh, you know, uh, the, the, we built a, a career out of those records. We could go and just play those songs for the rest of our career. And the fans would probably, you know, the majority of fans. Of course, we got those super, super fans that want to hear new music. But those fans, uh, you know, I can fart into a microphone and they're going to love it. So uh, <laughs> it's kind of like we... But there wasn't pressure, you know, because we have this body of work that people love and we're so stoked that we have that. And that's never going to go away. People are going to come see us play because they want to relive those memories and those songs. And that's a great position to be in, you know. So for us to um, write new music is exciting. Um, we still love creating and doing new music. Um and so far, uh, releasing the first single, the 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 it's been yeah. so positive. The outpouring has been so positive. It sounds like us, so you know it doesn't stray too far from the. Uh, and I don't mind it being called a formula. It doesn't stray too much from uh, what less than Jake does. So you know, I, I think that we uh, we we approached it uh, how we do any other record. We were just excited to go to go write write a record and spend time together doing it. Well, yeah, that that's very honest. A lot of artists in your position, even if they deep down felt like that, they might not come right out and say it. So, yeah, that's you know that's a that's that's awesome. I mean, you guys have had such an incredible career for so long. I remember the first time I heard your band, heard of your band, saw your band was the Warp Tour in 1997. Uh, it was at the London, Ontario date. There was no Toronto date. That uh, yeah. Year. So we piled in my dad's, my friend's dad's car, and we we drove down and saw you guys play on. You know, there were two stages. One was kind of a decent stage, and then the other was was the back of a truck, like a trailer. It, and yeah, that's, it was a what, that's where truck. you played. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was our that was our first warp tour. Yeah, and uh, 
that was kind of our introduction to uh, uh, Canada and, and just how explosive punk rock was, especially in Montreal, Toronto, and Vancouver. Yeah. It was insane at that time. And it was so cool to be able to, uh, even though there, you know, you guys are just our, our neighbors to the north. It was, it was. I had never, I had never been to Canada, and here we are, and there's just people going berserk and ape shit for our band. It was, it was a great feeling. Well, seeing your set was, to me, it was a big game changer at the time because I'd never seen a band have as much fun as you guys did. And, you know, sure, like that day, I think Blink-182 played that day, you know, and there were, yeah. were, they were just about to emerge, you know, like Dude Ranch had just come out or whatever. And, you know, there, Mill and Colin was, was there. And, of course, there were the bigger bands like Lagwagon and Pennywise. You know, I watched all those bands that day. But, you know, on the car ride back, you know, hour and a half back to where we lived outside Toronto, you know, we put on Less Than Jake Losing Streak. You know, that was the album we wanted to listen to. Like, there was a big takeaway um, from that performance. And then, obviously, we burned out that, that CD um, over the years. But, you know, did you guys know at the time that you were onto something with your performance and everything? I mean, you know, it's, it's easy to say 23 years later, we, you did or you didn't. But, you know, the, the fact remains that you're still here. And a lot of those bands have kind of went away or faded away or stopped, you know, and it's, it's, kind yeah. of, it's kind of interesting that, that when I was a 16 year old kid, I had that kind of reaction to your music and your show. Yeah. I, I, well, I appreciate that. And I've, uh, I, I've heard that before and I, and I know, I kind of know why, you know, we, we were a great live band before we were a great recorded band, uh, you know, before we had, you know, before we learned our songcraft and learned how to sing, you know, uh, well and learn how to actually play our instruments before, you know, we, we were a very sloppy uh, band when we started out, but the live show was always fun. People right. always took something away from, it. you know, we had a motto early on, okay, well, look out in the crowd, guys, you know, be some bar in the middle of Podunk, Florida on a Wednesday night. It's like, <laughs> No one, no one here is going to like us, but God damn it, they're going to remember us. And, uh, <laughs> and we'd go out and raise hell. We would say shit. I mean, we had to fight our way out of some redneck bars in Florida. Oh, you know, we, we cut our teeth in, in one of the most hostile environments ever. It's like, you know, happy, happy, joyous ska music, the Southern California thing. We weren't that. We were from Florida, you know, and there wasn't many bands doing ska punk in the early 90s in Florida. So, you know, we just we worked incredibly hard. Uh, we knew we were onto something early, uh, in, before we ever left fl outside of Florida to tour, we were, we were starting to build up followings around Florida. You know, we'd go play Daytona and there'd be 40 people there the first time we'd play with a local band. And, and then the next time we went, it wasn't like there was 45 people or 50, the audience doubled. It was like 80 to a hundred people. And then, you know, six months into that seven months in, you know, we would, we were turning up to Daytona and there was 150, 200 kids there to see us going absolutely apeshit. And then we were going to Tampa and then we started going to Orlando uh, and then we were doing Fort Lauderdale and we kind of were just, now we were starting to land bigger tours. We got uh, an opening gig for uh, the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Uh, I remember Goldfinger and Bad Religion rolled through and we got on, got on their show. So local promoters were starting to add us because they saw the value and we were bringing, bringing ticket, you know, right. people into the built people into the building. So, you know, we, we knew we were onto something. We felt it. Uh, we were our own PR machine, 
I had five like-minded individuals that we just, we worked harder than, than any band out there. Yeah. Bar none at that time. Uh, I can say that, uh, unequivocally we get up, we were getting three to 400 letters a week by the time losing streak uh, came out. Uh, we would sit around at a round table in between tours. We'd divvy up the mail in the morning, brew a pot of coffee and, uh, get stoned and sit there and write people back all day. Wow. And, uh, wow. You, you know, we it's were, like we were, mach- shit. that's crazy. You know, we, we were, <laughs> we were a machine to this day. People come up to me and, and they, they, they bring their letters to the show. And want me to sign the, the letter I sent them in 1996. Wow. That's so rad, you know, but that's the yeah. thing like that, the kind of grassroots and I don't want to go too far you know, from the story right now, but it's a good point. You know, that idea of super grassroots touring, you know, a a promotion of your band, you know, you, you drive up to Daytona and you, it's word of mouth and you play with other local bands and, you know, you're answering literal, you know, fan mail on paper, what you have to send a stamp to some, you know, using a stamp these days, what is that? Does that exist? Is there like, if you're a new artist, is there any way to do that? Just, Short of, you know, seeing someone in person and saying, you know, thank you. It's, it's, it's crazy. Like, is that, that, that must just be dead now. Well, it, it exists digitally if you think of it from, from this aspect. Um, so when I do these one-on-one live video consultations with people and right. they'll say, how do I get my music out there as a solo artist? Or, or how do I get our band to get noticed? And I say, you're only as popular as the fans that follow you. And each fan is worth a thousand. And what I mean by that is, is that, no, you're no longer going to get a letter in the mail and write them back and stick it in the envelope and lick the stamp and put it on and put it in the mailbox. But you are going to digitally write each and every one of those people back to this day, Instagram, uh, all less than Jake socials. We write people back no matter what they'll say, man, you know, losing streak was my favorite album growing up. Thank you. I'll write it back. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Just that touchback to that fan. They're going to tell 10 people. And those 10 people are going to tell 10 people. And that's what we've built this on. To this day, we still follow what I call the analog model in a, in a digital world. No, we're not licking the stamp and putting it in the, uh, in the mailbox, but we're still writing those people back. We're still letting them know about our music. Uh, all five of us in the band, we're a machine. We do, we, this is constant. It's every day we get up, we communicate through text. First thing in the morning, uh, hey, guys, we've got to put this post out there. Hey, guys, we've got to do this. Uh, constant communication. I love it. I mean, you answered my question, I think, about when I look back to 1997 Warp Tour and those bands and where did they go? I mean, I think that that is, there's a secret there. I, absolutely. You know, one thing I remember, but you said you have a memory like an elephant earlier. I, I can remember literally being in that backseat of that car and the my friend's dad, he picked us up. He said, I'm, you know, I'm coming at whatever time. And I remember Pennywise was just about to go on. And we had to leave before Pennywise went on, and we were all bummed out about that. But I remember, you know, sitting in that that car and passing around the the booklet, you know, the CD booklet, and seeing that you guys were on Capitol Records, and yeah. feeling so strangely conflicted about that as a sixteen year old punk, and not really understanding, first of all, how that happened. You know, that a band like a, this ska punk band, because this is like a new genre, you know, and sure, it, it, you know, and you guys are saying fuck in all your songs and like, it, you know, it, it just didn't seem to me like this made any sense. And <clears throat> excuse me. And honestly, all these years later, looking back, it still doesn't really make sense now that I know about the music industry. How the hell did you guys get signed to Capitol? How did that how did that happen? <laughs> 
Yeah, you know our our A and R guy that signed us, and he signed us to Warner Brothers too. So we had we had a couple. You know, we we're like a cat with nine lives in terms of labels. <laughs> you know, we've been on tons of labels. Yeah. And, um, yeah. He just he. You know, I've always joked that we're a pop band disguised as a punk band. He could hear Roger and I's melodies, uh, their pop melodies, and right. they get stuck in your they get stuck in your head. And he saw he saw the greater picture in that, and he heard you know, out of the rough exterior of the really fast drum beats and the buzzsaw guitars and the <laughs> loud horns, he could hear these songs within that. Um, that I think the fans did too. But I, I mean, for a commercial level or a guy at a label that's trying to, to move units, so to speak, he heard a bigger picture here. You know, the one thing I can say about Capital at the time, you know, there was a lot of cries in the 90s of, oh, you're a sellout and this and that. And, yeah. and um, yep. I, I, personally, I never paid any attention to any of that shit. Um, I always thought it was hilarious. It was like, you know, no one's calling Michael Jordan a sellout because they gave him a $15 million contract, you know, but in, uh, but you're going to call a musician a sellout. I never bought into it. Uh, in fact, my band at one point was like, you can't say that in an interview. Cause like people be like, so, you know, what's the decision to sign a capital? I'm like, man, I, I, I want to live in Malibu. Don't you, you know, <laughs> like I, I'd, I'd love to play to 10,000 people a night and sell a gazillion records. That's not like the ultimate goal. I, I, I love to play music, but if that happens, I want to reach as many people as I can. And uh, Capital, to their credit, when they came along, um, that record is just a progression from our previous album, Pez Corks. It's just a little uh, more well put together. But it's, I listened back to Losing Streak, it's pretty raw and unpolished. It does not sound like a major label record. No, no, not at all. And I think that's what was so surprising about it. Even my 16 year old ears could hear that, you know? That, yeah, that they, they, they. They let us be who we are. It wasn't until Hello Rockview when we got a producer who was, you know, we were one of the first records ever on Pro Tools, Hello Rockview. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was one of the, the very first records uh, on Pro Tools. And um, and also one of the very first records, uh, you know, of course, there was some digital editing going on that preceded Pro Tools. But, um, but this was also one of the first records to use autotune uh, on the vocals. Crazy. And, um, Crazy. so, you know, but, uh, but yeah, losing streak was, that's, that was us. I mean, I remember the, the actual, uh, guitar track, the, uh, clean guitar for Johnny quest thinks were solids on that record. That was live off the floor. We went in to recreate it. And then, and the producer was like, why are you going to retract that? It's fine. You know? So there was, uh, there was a definitely a live vibe among, we played, we played it live together and we just kind of kept the drum track. We do like, uh, I think most of the bass and drums were kept. I don't even think we did bass overdubs. Uh, and and uh, so it was very raw and it sounded like us. So I never had an issue with the whole sellout thing. It just, I, I, it went in one ear and out the other with me. Yeah. No, that's funny. And, and I know that yesterday was the 22nd anniversary of Hello Rock View. It came out it 20, was. 22 years ago, which is a, a cool it, milestone. I, I remember buying that record the day it came out, actually. And awesome. I, oh, can, I, I, can, I say, can I say one more thing real quick? I still, don't, I, I still don't live in Malibu. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you live these days? I live uh, north of, of uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. I live in the middle of the mountains. It's beautiful and it's quiet and it's great. That's awesome. No, that sounds yeah. that sounds amazing. But yeah. back back to Hello Rock you, yes. So twenty two years ago, I remember buying the record and it's really, really interesting that you say that about first of all, the record being on um uh the first Pro Tools record or one of the first and also the thing about the auto tune. I always thought like I never liked the horns on the record. 
the the oh. horns sounded weird to me. Like even this is like I again, I'm at this point I'm 17. You know, when the album comes out and I put him listen to it in my my mom's car or whatever. And I, that record, I'll be completely honest with you, it didn't do it didn't do to me what Losing Streak did to me. And I I didn't like that record nearly as much. My friends all thought I was crazy. They're like this record's like like the last one, but even better. And they're they're going to be the biggest band in the world. And all my best friends are metalheads. This song's like. And and I didn't think the record was bad or, or anything like at all, but it didn't. There was something about it to me as a kid that that didn't quite hit me where I wanted to be hit. Well, I and did I a know. did a I did a podcast. No, it's a it's a it's a spot on assessment. I did a hmm. uh, podcast recently with Howard Benson, who Howard produced the record, and Howard's went on to do everybody yes. from you you name it. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, the biggest stars in the world. And, uh, and and Howard and I have been been fantastic friends uh, since Hella Rock for you. But anyways, um, you know Howard uh, on my podcast, and we've talked about it over the years. Is the first to admit he was the kid with the new toy. Right. And it was this thing, Pro Tools. And really, the only people that ever used Auto Tune prior to musicians, it was used for for things in, in NASA for for space stuff. I don't know exactly what it was being used <laughs> really? for. It was it, it, yeah, it was to change. It was to change like radio waves and frequencies or something. That's what it was designed for. Wow. And um yeah, and so Howard gets these toys and and he he'll he, he's self-admitted about this that he's like, "Yeah, man, I squashed the horns. The, I fucked the horns up on that record." And they sound like synthesizers. They sound terrible. Um, you know, and it's it's been discussed over the years. Well, what if you could go back and remix the record? And I'm a purist in the sense it's like, "Nope." That's what the record was. Enough people love the record. I'm not going to go fuck up history. So yeah. I stand. I stand by the record for what it is. It was a snapshot in time. But uh, no, I'm not a fan of the horns on that record. And either, either is anybody in my band. That's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Uh, Auto tune. You know, for you just to come out and and just say, oh yeah, that was there's Auto tune on on that record, or we use Auto tune. That's still a thing. There's a bit of a. Uh, it's a faux pas. You know, people don't talk about it even to this day. Um, I'll be the first to admit every Silverstein record has auto tune on it. You know, uh, they just do. Well, I, you can I've tell never had a lot pro- of them. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had a problem admitting we use auto tune because Roger and I can pull it off live. Right. That's where it, that's where it's at. You know, um, are we perfect? No, we're humans. But we we go out and we sing like motherfuckers together. We always have. Um, and uh, you know, w- with that said. Uh, we use much like I'm sure Silverstein does. We use Pro Tools as a tool, not a crutch. Uh, and you know the bands that use it as a crutch because you go see them live and they can't sing worth shit. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so that's that's kind of, that's kind of your answer with Pro Tools. We, we you know it's uh, it definitely has its moments, and uh, I use it all the time because I don't have to work as hard. <laughs> <laughs> it does save time it, for sure, no question. So let's talk about the podcast. So Krista makes a podcast. You just started it a few months ago. You've had pretty eye-popping names already uh, on the show. Talk to me about this concept, how this came about, and how it's kind of been going so far. Has it been more work than you thought? Have you really enjoyed it? Have you made some new friends? Yeah, it's it's kind of been all, all the above, Shane. It really has. It's been, uh, you know, I... I so I'm working, uh, I have, my manager's name is Chris Fafalios and Chris plays bass in a Pittsburgh uh, band called Punchline. They used to be on Fuel by Ramen. Oh, I love them. Yeah. Love them. Yeah. So Chris, uh, did this animated video, uh, last year for Bowling for Soup and Less Than Jake. It was a concert, uh, a tour we had. And, um, so I started doing these custom songs and I had called Chris up, uh, back in, in March of this year. I said, Hey, I'm doing these songs. 
I kind of want you to do a video for it and uh, an animated video. And uh, we just started talking and it was, it was weird. It was like within a week, we were talking four or five, six times a day. And one thing led to another. And uh, so Chris is the producer of the podcast. He's also my manager now uh, outside of Less Than Jake. And um, he was the one that suggested, hey, you need to do a podcast. And my initial reaction was, nah, everyone does a podcast. And most of them are, mo- and most of them are fucking horrible. Um, and it's just me being honest. I just, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, I th- and I'm not, not saying this to you because I'm on your podcast, but you know, you're, you have an amazing podcast. You're, you're, what you've built with yours is, you know, congratulations. Well, thanks, it's it's awesome. It's awesome. People love it. You got great listenership. It's obvious that, that you're doing something right. But, you know, any Johnny come lately can do a podcast now in their bedroom. Everyone has the internet. Um, yep. So uh, I was I was hesitant. And uh, Chris basically just said, well, but you got to you got to think of it outside of just a podcast. He says, you, you know, so many people. He said, I think you should have a theme for this. I think because you're doing your custom songs, you should have a theme of songwriting, not general songwriting. Yeah. You pick one song a career-defining song from that artist's career, and you'd break that song down over the course of that episode. And, uh, and I said, oh, okay, you know, and, and uh, I, 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 people would ask me over the years, you should do a podcast, and I always was the same thing. Nah, everyone has a podcast. No, no one wants to hear from me. And um, I went to sleep that night, and I woke up the next morning, and uh, before my kids got up, it was early, and my gears were just grinding. I could not stop thinking about what Chris had proposed. Right. Uh, so I so I get my phone and I uh, I, I I start doing uh, uh, rock rock star one on one texting. I just texted <laughs> like 20, 20 of my buddies that, that you know in the in the industry. And uh, that following week, I think that was on like a Thursday. That following Monday, uh, I recorded my first episode. I think I did ten or eleven episodes that first week. I recorded. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, I just, I'm like, okay. Cause I'm kind of an all or nothing guy. I went, boom, I went straight in. Uh, and Chris, uh, he, he's the producer. He, uh, he edits the episodes and we talk about it each week. Um, we recently got picked up, uh, my, my booking agent, Dave Shapiro, uh, at sound talent, uh, uh booking. Also so, my uh, booking agent. Exactly. Uh, Dave started, um, Sound Talent Media, which is yeah. um, basically a podcast network that uh, I am now a part of, and uh, so now we're we're just trying to to get more listeners and and go even further with it. But uh, but it's been you know, all the things you said at the top. Uh, it's been been amazing. I look forward to it every day. I got I got Mark Hoppus today at three o'clock. We're going to talk about what's my age again. Wow. Um, and yeah, and uh, I'm jealous. You know, that's awesome. Yeah. And well, I'm jealous of your roster. You got D Snyder. I don't want to hear about it. All right. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sure D will talk to you. He'd love to. Oh, he would love to talk about a song. Yeah, absolutely I, I, I know D I reached out to his management. He's kind of in between things right now, but, right, but right. eventually, but, but, um, you know, Shane, I'm what I'm hoping for, and I'm starting, starting just now, uh, it's, I'm closing out on six months of doing this. It's been a lot of work, as you know, to yeah. launch a podcast, even with the, with the Rolodex of people that I know, but now I'm starting to get emails and stuff from labels and from managers. Hey, I want, can you feature my artist? So w- once that starts ha- once that started happening, I realized, you know what? I'm, I think I'm kind of onto something here, and it's it's been beyond my wildest expectations, and it's been very fulfilling. No, absolutely, and I'm sure you're starting to get people asking you this question, saying, "Well, what about Less Than Jake? What about your songs? What song?" 
you know, would you pick if if you were on your own podcast? Do you, do <laughs> and you that's have, the, Do you have one you'd like to? You would. You would. You know, that has interesting. Story? Yeah, there's a yeah, there's a number of them actually, sure. and, and it's it's funny. Um, one of the first episodes I had was Roger because I have a, a Facebook group, uh, and for everyone listening, if if you please join, it's a lot of fun. There's a great interaction. We're over two thousand people in the group. Uh, it's on Facebook. It's Krista makes a podcast Facebook group, and that's where um, it's basically the website for the show, and that's where everybody goes and. Uh, uh, it's free to free to join. They they just go there and they, they they'll give requests. And Roger from my band was one of the people that was requested early on. So I had him on one of the first episodes, and uh, that was one of the highest rated episodes. So yeah, yeah I'm going to be on, yeah. and that's the great that's the great part of having Chris, my producer, because he's going to be the one that interviews me for my own show eventually. <laughs> there you go. So can you yeah, do yeah. you know what song you're going to do? Can you spill the beans? Well, you know what? Uh, the only one really because. Uh, uh, we we do something that we talked about recently. I think the first one I want to do because it's an older song is I want to tell the story of Johnny Quest thinks we're sellouts. It's, it's a pretty cool story. Okay, well I look forward to that. Everybody subscribe to Chris's podcast because it's a good one. Lots of thank you. I, uh, there's Matt Skiba, Laura Jane Grace, Rick Nielsen. That's uh, like you know, and I guess Mark Hoppus will be on the show probably in the coming weeks too. So that that's uh, that's very awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's been, uh, and more so than anything, um, and I, I'm sure you've felt this too. I mean, you're you're obviously professional. You you keep your appointments, and you keep you try to stay as organized as you can. And and and, and so, on one sense, it's a I hate using the word job, but you know, it's right. your job. But but um, man, this is this is just a labor of love. I love this. I love talking to to people. Uh, and and some of my favorite episodes have been people that I don't know. I just did an episode yeah. with. Uh, Robin Wilson from the Gin Blossoms the other day, oh, and wow. uh, it was awesome, man. We, and and uh, Robin, uh, uh, he was just—I yeah, don't know—it was just—it was—it's a, a different world. They were everywhere in the '90s, but that wasn't part of my scene, and I had never met him before. And uh, so that's really what I'm looking forward to now is to branching out. And uh, uh, you know, I had a great springboard to jump off of with with all the people that I know in my world. But now I'm I'm starting to get outside of that. I'd love to get into rap and country, and it, I, I don't, you know, I, if if you have a good song, I want to talk to you, basically. No, perfect. I I think that's the way to go. Honestly, you have a great concept, and you know, similar to this podcast, it's I'll talk to any lead singer. I, I, the genre doesn't matter. It's just about you know the art of of that, you know, art of singing, and for your show, the art of songwriting, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, you know, I think there's and there's going to be detractors. There's some people that are too punk for school, and they and I and I appreciate that. They love me and my band because of how we sound like, and they love punk and ska or whatever. But uh, you know, there's diminishing returns with just staying in your own world. And uh, less than Jake always knew that. You know, we always tried to uh, to do other things. It wasn't just playing with punk or ska bands. We took the Bon Jovi tour. We took the <laughs> Lincoln Park the Lincoln Park tour. Right. You know, we took right. we took some stuff that was really left of center because. Um, we realized that, you know, uh, our music uh, can can transcend genres and, and we wanted to be all inclusive. No, absolutely. It's funny. I was trying to work in a segue there as you were talking to, to talk about the Bon Jovi and the Snoop Dogg tour, because I didn't know you toured with those bands until yesterday when I was looking at your press release. And I saw that I was like Bon Jovi and Snoop Dogg. So, what, yeah, talk talk to me about those two artists. Did you? Yeah, I mean, it can so, be weird. A lot of people that don't, you know, that just that don't haven't been on tour before. They don't understand. Like, just because you're on tour with a band doesn't mean you actually hang out with them. 
you know, but maybe. Right. Um, yeah, well, I'll tell you. So Bon Jovi, it was the summer of uh, 2000. It was around uh, around maybe July. We get a phone call, our manager, and said uh, – and, and our manager at the time was Kevin Lyman from Warped Tour. Oh, wow. And <laughs> Kevin gets a phone call that Bon Jovi wants us to open up their fall tour. We're like, what? It's like, yeah. Well, what happened was – is in July, Bon Jovi, now they hadn't been around for about five years. John kind of went into acting. The band was laying low. They might have played some some concerts overseas, maybe Indonesia or something. But John's a smart dude. You know, America was in the height of grunge. He was kind of looked at as this 80s band that was washed yeah. up. We, yeah. And so at the time, Bon Jovi had reached out to like Sugar Ray, Smash Mouth, Dishwalla, Collective Soul, all these bands that were like the in bands at that time. And they all turned the tour down like Bon Jovi. That's not a, a good right. look for us. Right. Um, because the album and the single hadn't popped yet. About a month later in August, MTV was no longer catering to uh, uh, bon Jovi's crowd, but who was? Well, their sister parent company, uh, 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 VH1. And I wasn't watching MTV in the late 90s. I was watching VH1 because they were catering a little bit more to my demographic. Well, guess what? They put out the It's My Life song and it blew up, yeah. completely blew up. So when I first got the call, I was thinking Bon Jovi man, we might be doing 3,500 to 5,000 seat theaters. This is going to be rad. Sure. And we took the tour and then we see the routing and it was three weeks of basketball and hockey arenas. Everyone sold out to the gills, 20,000 people a night. Wow. And uh, it was a trip, man. And uh, it's funny to think back now, John, he, he seemed old to us. Uh, <laughs> he was, John was 38 on that tour. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. You know? like, I know. And and um and dude, they kicked ass every night. They were so good. They were so good. The it was it was men and women uh from 12 to 60 years old in the audience just singing every word and uh we had a ball. The the crew loved us because we weren't rock stars. We came from the punk background. We showed up with our own risers. We'd push our shit on stage with mics clipped already to the drums. All they had to do was plug in. Their crew loved us. We got our <laughs> shit on and off the stage in two. There was no rock star bullshit. Yep. They gave us a they gave us a broom closet, some towels, a case of water, and two bottles of wine a night, and we were happier than pigs and shit. <laughs> I love it. I love that. I, love, I could just picture every aspect of that. That is. Oh, we went. We so went nuts. Great. There's one one night I walk out of the restaurant. There's Heather Locklear standing there drinking a glass of wine. She was married to Richie Sambora. Yeah, the dudes and. Dudes in Skid Row come out one night. I'm partying with Snake from Skid Row. We're getting <laughs> wasted on my bus. I'm like, is this happening? Like, it was, it was fucking rad. Dude, uh, Bill from Firehouse came out one night. Like, all these 80s, like, icons that I grew up with were, like, showing up. And it was awesome. Great. And, and, and then, yep. Yeah. The, so the, yeah. So the Snoop Dogg thing, um, that was the Project Revolution tour. It was Lincoln Park, ah, right. Corn. Lincoln Park, Corn, Snoop Dogg, Less Than Jake, and The Used. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get more weird than that. And uh, that was um, about six weeks across the U.S. Wow. Amphitheaters sold out every night. Um, and uh, it was a wild one. They It was uh, sponsored. One of the sponsors was uh, Heineken and uh, Amstel Light. And they had a tent. It, it always seemed like the tent somehow ended up right outside our fucking bus. But uh, <laughs> it was the backstage VIP tent. And uh, 
it was it was free uh, uh, drinks for for guests and family and uh, man we 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 lived it on that on that tour it was great and it and it and it, it uh, brought the band a whole new legion of fans the the print and press promotion alone from that tour it just got our name uh, out to a different audience. Uh, it's so funny you you bring up the you know I'm I'm thinking about the old days of Warp Tour when they used to have the monster truck and. There was like a little back door you could go in and they have like a little artist lounge in there where you could, you know, they'd have like vodka and all that stuff. And but the the, the thing was, is you had to mix it with Monster if, if you wanted it to be free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was yeah. by the end, it was like, OK, just give me I don't know. Give me a glass of vodka and just like, please pour as little Monster as you can into that. Yeah. Just, just in case get- somebody walks by. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I want to get fucked up with that taste like shit. Ah, right, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, dude. Well, what else to tell the people before I let you go? Um the new record is out December eleventh, Silver Linings. The podcast is coming at you week after week. You got it. Yeah. If you uh, would like a custom song, if you'd like to do one-on-one video consultations, if you'd like a custom song with animation, Chris Fafalios, my manager, does animation. We also offer that. You can write me at chrisdemakes at gmail.com. Uh, I also have my first my first book coming out on December 8th. Uh, it's called Blast from the Past. And uh, uh, on October 15th, I'm going to be announcing. Uh, is this episode going to be out by the 15th? Uh, I think it eh, if, maybe if, it if, might be it'll if, be close it'll be close if not it doesn't matter october 15th i'm releasing i i uh uh basically i'm recording a solo album right now like two or three songs at a time uh ah, and cool. like a year and like a year and a half the record will be out but i recorded two songs as a launch for the book one song is called blast from the past uh, and that that'll be premiering on uh, october 15th to launch the book pre-orders and uh that'll be uh be out in december so i got the book uh, the band, uh, the record Silver Linings will be out December eleventh, uh, and uh, yeah. And if you want me to be on your podcast, and uh, I like your podcast, I'll be on it. <laughs> okay. Well, t- well, talk to me about this book really quick. I-, I didn't hear anything about a book. Blast from the past. What is it yeah. about? Okay. So on December fifth, uh, two thousand eighteen, I woke up that morning. I had recently moved, and I was going through my uh, studio, putting everything uh, back up. I've saved everything that the band has ever done over the years. It looks like a, a record store uh, for one band, less than Jake. It's a museum, essentially. I, I've, I've clipped out uh, articles. I've, I've filed it in scrapbooks. I, I've saved everything we've ever, we've ever put out. So wow. I, was going through, I was going through photos, and I decided I'm going to post a photo uh, with a story. And I did that on Instagram uh, that morning, and I said, I'm going to do one of these every day for 365 days. And JR, my sax player, wrote and he goes, you won't make it two weeks. And I said, you son of a bitch, you watch me. <laughs> and so uh, it was about three weeks in. It was about middle of December of 2018. Let's say December 20th or so. I woke up one morning. I did that morning's post in the story and the light bulb went off. I said, I'm writing my book one story at a time. This isn't going to be your traditional book. Hi, I'm Krista Makes. I was born in Michigan in 1973, blah, blah, blah. Um, I've read every autobiography and rock biography there is. I love them. I got a bookshelves f- filled with them. Now I got uh, a Kindle full on my phone of them. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I uh, always want to write. Have a- you read the uh, Bad Religion book yet? I have not. No, it's on my list. It's, it's on yeah, my list. I just I just got it in the mail finally. I can't wait to read it. But yes, go right on. on. No, yeah, I'll uh, I'll try to be be brief as I finish up. So no, basically, no, yeah, basically I um 
uh, had started a book in the past. Uh, David McWayne from uh, Big D and the Kids Table, actually, he's written a couple books and he gave me like this outline to follow. It was really helpful. But I don't know, I'd get a few paragraphs in and I just like, you know what? I just, I want this to be something different. I didn't know what it was. So uh, that morning I woke up, I'm like, I'm writing my book one story at a time. So after 365 days uh, of doing so, I then took all of those photos and stories. And of course, I had to edit them and redo the stories a little bit for the book because there was, you know, certain time things like I would say something on Instagram that didn't need to be in the book. But for the most part, it was what I put out there. And so I binded it into a book. I got a bunch of bundles and stuff coming with the book. There's a, a poster. There's a calendar. I got I got the music uh, that's coming with it. Uh, so it's, it's just, it's great. And, uh, the book, the book looks awesome. It's, uh, being released through smart punk records. They've done a fantastic job. Uh, it's their first book and, uh, yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're excited. That's great. Wow. So, so much stuff, man. And the solo stuff as well. I was going to ask you, I have in my notes also solo stuff question mark. Cause I always wondered when's it coming. I hear about it. I hear about him recording, but I haven't, yeah. I think there's like one song on Spotify. Well, I got I put out solo songs. I'm mostly for charity over the years. I've oh, done okay. some stuff, um, and uh, you can also check out my YouTube page. Uh, if you go to my YouTube page, I got all everything I do, all my custom songs, all my collaborations. Which I won't even get into that. I've been working with a cover band while in quarantine. We've been releasing releasing cover songs. We got a new one coming out next week. So I've just been been staying busy with with projects and collaborations. And uh, as far as solo stuff, I've always been fulfilled with less than Jake. I've always. Uh, I never wanted to dilute what the band did. No disrespect to anybody that does that or anybody in my band that had other projects, but I did less than Jake for the first half of my life. And now the second half of my life, I, I, I finally decided what else is there for Chris to makes. And, uh, this year has been the start of that. And, uh, the solo record, uh, I'm, I'm working on two, three songs at a time and a year and a half from now, I'm going to put them all all together. And, uh, you know, uh, been, I've been playing solo acoustic shows since 2014. I do about seven or eight shows a year, and those are just for fun. But uh, this is something different. This is, uh, you know, uh, an actual solo thing outside of the band that's going to be uh, recorded and documented. Awesome. Well, Chris, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me, and uh, good luck on everything coming up. I really appreciate it, and best of luck to you. I, re- I really love your podcast. I, I mean that. Thank you. Thanks, man. So there it is with Chris DeMakes. And what a great conversation. I love hearing about the old stories and the insight from a wise, wise man. And, you know, I just did his podcast yesterday and talking to him and how how he dissects songs and really spends time, you know, and, and does such a great job. Uh, even even with my little my heroine song, I really really did appreciate that, and definitely don't miss his show. And don't stop listening to mine though, okay? I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere. Episode 250, it's coming. We are going strong five years later, and thank you everybody for the love and the support. So this is a tricky time right now. I'm not talking about November 3rd. This is a tricky time. Because I don't know what Less Than Jake song to play. But, you know, we talked about Losing Streak and what that record meant to me, you know, when I first heard it. Warp Tour 1997. Shout out to Andy Lewis and his father Pete and Bry Robinson. We were in the car together coming back from London. 
And Bri bought this CD, and I still listen to it all the time. I really do. And there's this two-song combination on the record, just such a great ending to one song, and then it just goes into this other song so well. And it's probably two of my favorite, you know, punk songs together kind of in a row in this moment so i'm gonna play them both this is i guess i think it's track four and track five from less than jake's losing streak sugar in your gas tank and shindo here they are on lead singer syndrome peace and love see you next week Something's out there.